0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Weather Optics. See Weather Differently. Find them on Twitter at Weather Optics or online at WeatherOptics.net. Let's go. back to A Man in a Van. This is episode three. I'm your host, Josh Brooker, and I am currently in Seattle. Um, I had an unbelievable weekend driving up from Portland to uh, the San Juan Islands. I was lucky enough to stay on Lummi Island with a man named Riley Starks. Um, that episode's coming next week. I had an incredible time there. We fished, we farmed, we sat on the beach, drank some wine. And then the very next day, I was able to sit down with Alana McGee who is a truffle hunter, who is arguably the first woman, first person in the Pacific Northwest to discover truffles. And now she has a great company where she trains dogs to go and find them. So we had a really nice uh, morning searching for truffle and talking about the industry in general. Um, Our interview today is a man named Jim Couples, who lives in Eugene, Oregon, the Eugene Springfield area, I should say. And what he does is really interesting. He does data analytics for farms and his background is actually political, but um, he decided to shift over to farming data and what he's doing is really important for the future of how we grow and how we source our food. So I really hope you guys enjoy this. Without further ado, here's Jim. Hi folks, I'm here with Jim Couples after uh eight hour day of driving and he has been kind enough to take me around eugene oregon took me out to dinner to a great farm to table restaurant thank you um and we just have been talking about agriculture in general because that's his uh, side of the world but i want to get i want the crowd to know you a little bit first um you're not originally from eugene but you moved here and i guess i want to get a grasp of why and what your favorite part of living in eugene is
1: Sure. So, I grew up in New York. Um, I spent four years in the Marine Corps, which was mostly on the West Coast. And then after that, I returned to New York. And I worked there for about 10 years, all through my 20s. Um, During that time, I met my wife, who was from Montana, which is not the West Coast, but more more further out West. And, um, I don't know, after about seven or eight years of being together... We decided to move out to Oregon, and and we really decided that because uh, over the summer, my wife had some time off because she was a school librarian, and I had some vacation time, and we drove from Montana to the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. and enjoyed our time in Oregon the most. So that's what originally got me out here. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But you went to school here, right? That's right. When I when we moved back out here, I finished my bachelor's degree. Uh, with a degree in political science. That's great.
0: Um, So we've been talking for the past few hours, and I'm starting to get a grasp of what it is you do. Your background is data collection. First it was in politics, and now it's in agriculture. Can you explain, as if I'm an 8-year-old, what it is you do? Like the
1: simplest explanation. Absolutely. So the simplest thing I do is allow people to understand what ranches and farms are around them, according to the address they entered into my database Mm -hmm. all right
0: and um, you talked about all of this data and how it can be used for future applications and one thing that you mentioned to me at dinner that I found extremely interesting is the connection between blockchain and the data that you're collecting Um, I think that cryptos are something that are very topical right now and very important and uh, important for the future so can you explain that connection please
1: Oh sure, so uh, blockchain technology, what that really enables, when you have uh, an entity that's on blockchain, what that enables is the flow of money to that entity so that all of a sudden you can do contract payments that are triggered, say, by the, um, well, say you have some sensors out in the cornfield, mm-hmm. and we have an agreement that if that corn is over two feet high, by June 1st, that you are going to buy every darn acre that I have, well, if we have, um, if I have my farm on blockchain and the sensors are there, well, there's no reason for us to interact. Every time people interact, they try to take a cut out of whatever transaction. Mm-hmm. So really what this preserves when we're using things like blockchain is for the farmer and whoever that is that's buying it to have more of a pure transaction with less middlemen kind of sticking themselves in between. Yeah. There's that application for blockchain, and that's really good for some farms. But the other thing that we're most excited of, and the people that I work with, farms and ranches and blockchain, is blockchain's ability to centralize records and make it easier for retrieval. So even if you're never going to um, use blockchain to, say, Trace back something according to the specific lot that it was picked at, or anything else. Blockchain has a use for small to medium sized farms as simply being this digital space where they can enter information and that it can't be changed and that can be available for third parties to check. Yeah. So that if I say I have used no pesticide um, since June 28th, I can have that information entered verified by a third party and then other buyers of my crops uh, can check that and trust that it's true yeah and
0: clearly there's applications for big business but what gets me excited about what you're doing is that it gives an opportunity for those who might not have previously been able to to access this information and so with this growing climate of people wanting to know where their food is coming
1: from you're providing a platform for them and i think that's pretty special oh thanks that that's the goal The goal is to allow us all to understand what those local farms and ranches are. Because, as we all might suspect, if we do not support them financially, they go away. Mm -hmm. And I simply value having green spaces around where we live in Eugene and Springfield, Oregon, for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, for one, it's the, the quality of food that you get when it's, when it's picked close to when it was harvested. Right now, the way we have our food distribution system, you will find an orange in December, and no one bats an eye and thinks about how far that orange traveled. And that could be in Alaska or wherever else. Uh-huh. Well, the reality of it is is that we've become way too reliant on these cross-country systems And it's been a race to the bottom for farmers. And who can produce the most food the most inexpensively that ships well? Mm -hmm. What we should really be concerned about is what's the best food for us to eat nutritionally? What do we get the most of um, taste-wise? And we should also value our local communities. And if you don't want to be just surrounded by cement and you enjoy being surrounded by farmland for... The ecosystem benefits for hiking um, for the ability that that uh, we've got a, a changing climate and by having green spaces it actually allows your your spot to to cool down yeah so if you value value those things you have to support them with dollars uh-huh. you mentioned something
0: interesting uh, kind of on that topic about how your data can be used to um, predict the future climatic conditions of a certain area of land and that allows farmers or people like wine producers to plan accordingly. Um, do you think you can explain that to my audience a little bit better than I just did?
1: Oh, sh- <laughs> sure. Well, let me make one distinction is that we do not do much in the prediction category for where the climate will move. Uh. To tell you the truth, you can find your... Um, Every state has, a, um, has a, a weather bureau that will do predictions mm-hmm. and they'll generally just do about two or three months ahead. But the reality that we've all seen is that what we grow and where we grow it has been shifting mm-hmm. and it's probably going to continue to shift along with warmer weather, naturally moving more north in the northern hemisphere and more south away from the equator in the southern hemisphere. So. Along with that type of understanding that our food system will be changing in those ways, moving both north and south, our type of data allows people to say, green beans have been grown traditionally on this farm, but we know that the market wants cantaloupes more, and we know that the weather pattern is shifting that can favor growing cantaloupes. So it's that type of data that I hope um, my my farms and ranches uh, can inform the, the, the people that are growing on those spots so that they can better meet what the market actually wants. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I have one final question for you and it's a question that I've
0: asked all my guests. Where do you see yourself in five to ten years? I mean, obviously
1: the business is included in that, but I'm more curious from like a personal perspective. Oh, well, where I see myself in five... I'll just do the short term in five years where I see myself as living happily with my wife and my son, hopefully here in Oregon, but perhaps in another state. I'll never know that. I just hope that I'm happy and with my family and working in something meaningful. And for me right now, that is farm and ranch data, especially focusing on on helping small to medium sized farms and ranches.
0: Um, one thing I've noticed about uh, you and uh, John, the farmer I interviewed yesterday, is that um, you guys have found your passions, and you've gone for it, and you're happy people, and I think that these days in the current climate, um, everybody wants to be an investment banker. Everybody wants to work on Wall Street, but really at the end of the day, like you can achieve the same success by putting in the same amount of work doing something you love, and I think kids my
1: age need to hear that. Hey, uh, you know it took me a long time to realize that too. There, I, I and we had talked earlier, and I lived in New York for a long time and and made a little bit more money. But to tell you the truth, I can't think that I was living any ha- any happier, making more money. Then there comes a point where after you cover kind of like basic meals, insurance, um, you know the roof and your car. You're just—it doesn't matter. So uh, I appreciate that you recognize that within me, and um, I'm 45. So it took me some years to find some of that happiness. Yeah. Well, it was great talking to you, and thank you for taking me around Eugene. I really appreciate it. It's been a great time. Oh, my my pleasure, Josh. But I have to say one thing. Yeah. I've also taken you a lot around Springfield. Oh Which shit. is the, it's the smaller town right next to Eugene, uh-huh. and we're both the wonderful community. But I got to give props to where they're deserved.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. Shout out Springfield. (laughs) Shout out Eugene as well. Yep. (sighs) Thanks, man. Thanks,
1: dude.
0: All right, guys. That was Jim Couples. Thank you again, Jim. You can check out his website at allthefarms.com and see what he's got going on. It's pretty cool. Moving forward, it is time to head east. I have my dad here for about a week, and we are going to Spokane tonight, and then we're off to Montana. So look out for new episodes every Monday and Friday. Uh, We're going to keep these going. I have a couple interviews loaded up in the chamber that are really awesome. And also for next week, I would like to incorporate a questions segment or for Friday's episode. So I will be posting on Instagram. Look for that, for some questions to answer on the podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to keeping sharing this uh, trip with you guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.